Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Natural Hat Trick with Luke Lipinski, Craig Morgan, and Jamie Eisner. Welcome into episode 244 of the Natural Hat Trick podcast alongside kind of Craig Morgan, Natty Hattie, and Jamie Eisner. A video that will never see the light of day edition. Thank goodness. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. I'm Luke Lipinski. We are recording from three different locations throughout the valley. Uh, this really is episode 244. Last week I said 244 and it wasn't, so make this... Me lied. Or B. Yeah, basically just lied to people. My last uh, two shows, my intros were a little rough, but not this time. I will say this too. I'm recording this in an apartment, and so I don't know if like my neighbors are going to hear my entire portion of this show, but if they can hear me right now, you're welcome. This is free content. I wonder what your neighbors will be doing over the course of this podcast. Probably putting up soundproofing in their homes for some reason. <laughs> Let's hope it's that G-rated. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see what the microphones pick up. Uh, all right, guys. How you doing? We're doing. Hanging in there. Uh, quarantine life it's, is, is uh, something. Getting a little, little odd, just being stuck at home all the time, but managing yeah. here. I mean, if you just – I know the listeners can't see the, the video, but, I mean, Jamie's hair is now out of control because of the quarantine, and Craig is wearing pink headphones because of the quarantine that did have ears. And he just had them removed right before the show started, which actually, before we get going, so can none of us get haircuts until this is done? Because my hair is going to look like Jamie's in like two weeks. Does it look like I know the answer to that question or have <laughs> had one anytime soon? <laughs> I was directed more to the guy with the pink headphones, Craig. Well, I, uh, I shave today. I'm shaving once a week right now. And I mean, I'm wearing the pink headphones because you didn't like the sound of the other headphones. These are my daughter's headphones, and I'm not ashamed to wear pink headphones. Uh, I drew the line at the ears that were on them, though, the cat ears. I'm no longer wearing those, although yeah, my I mean, daughter was trying to put them back on me. Let us be clear. It's not the pink part that we were making fun of you for. It was very much the cat ears that were attached to yeah. the top of it. Mm-hmm. And just because you took them off doesn't mean Jamie doesn't have a picture of them. Right. I'm so. a, I, I like cats. I'm a dog guy, but I, I like cats, so I'm okay, okay. with that. <laughs> By the way, I also have a problem. I'd like to have a, I'd like to show you guys a prop that our listeners can't see because there's no video attached to this, but I've got the yes. cat himself. <laughs> oh, he does. <laughs> You're going to need that at some point in this show. Uh, all right. Craig, do you have something you'd like to say to the listeners before we begin the show? <laughs> yes, I have. In fact, I, I included content in the notes that will force me to use it. Yeah. <laughs> this, is your, this is your cue, Craig. You wrote the whole yeah. script. Yeah, I'll read this. Uh, a, a cue with, like, uh, admittedly, we're, we're in three different locations and things are breaking up a little bit. So, uh, again, apologies ahead of time to our listeners if 
it doesn't sound like the same quality it normally does, but you know, you make do with what you've got. In Probably and, look, and look, I'll say the same thing I, I always say when we do with the show. If you don't, you're not happy, we'll give you a full refund. Oh, look at that. There it is. I have uh, something prepared for you. We can speculate on the future of this NHL season, the playoffs, the 2021 season, every week. But honestly, the topics are getting boring, guys. Instead of examining news that doesn't exist or answering questions that can't be answered, we're going to provide you with a welcome distraction to your listeners. At some point, we don't know when, we'll have a studio again. And when we do, we'll invite listeners to call in and answer a series of trivia questions specific to this podcast and its hosts. We're calling it the Natty Hattie Challenge. It's very original, I know. At the appropriate time, yeah, okay, no pot shots yet, okay? You can take them as soon as I finish. I'm ready, I'm done. Okay. At the appropriate time, we'll post a tweet asking which of you would like to participate, and then the participants will be selected at random. Once selected, we'll arrange a time for you to call the podcast while we're recording. You'll answer a series of multiple choice questions, probably around 10, with a time limit that Luke will decide because he's the big boss here. He's the only one who knows anything about radio. Well, Jamie knows more than I do. Everyone knows more than I do, actually. We may distract you while you're thinking about answering those questions because this isn't golf. This is sports. You'll have to answer under pressure and noise. If there are ties after the first round, we'll have a playoff until we determine a champion who will earn an on-brand prize and a guest call-in appearance on the podcast. More details to come. In the meantime, pay attention to the next several podcasts for potential question material and shore up on your Natty Hattie knowledge of previous episodes. There's no telling what material might make its way into the Natty Hattie Challenge. All right, I have a question. Can I ask it now? Sure. Um, we don't. Do we know what the prize is? You don't have to say it yet. But do we already have like an idea of what it's going to? I be? have an idea, and let's face it, guys, I'm going to be the one buying it. So you know, <laughs> of course, yeah, duh. And, then, and look, uh, if you look, if you know what episode the show is, you'll already be ahead of Luke from last week. So I mean, that's a good start for everybody. From this point on, every episode is going to be episode two forty four, just because of that. Uh, second question: Are hosts eligible to win? No. <laughs> Of course not. What the, think, the, the silence speaks volumes. I think Sorry, of, I missed that. I think one of my neighbors just answered. I just heard no. So sports on hiatus. Sure. Uh, a lot sure, of states are replaying classic games from the past. I happened to watch the Penguins' 92 uh, Cup final sweep of the Blackhawks on NHL Network last night. Craig claims he didn't, but either way, Craig, Jamie, and I have decided to share our memories of our – most gut-wrenching losses and most exhilarating wins as fans. And, uh, and then we'll go through those same, uh, the top five and bottom five in, uh, just in terms of what's happened in the Valley all time. But, uh, we're going to start. You didn't with even a, give me a chance to ring my bell. But <laughs> after you brought up the 92 finals, it'll come up again. Don't worry. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> so how do we want to do this? Do we, we don't want to like each give our entire list. Do we want to start at number no, five? No, it should do a countdown and you got to throw to us because I think Craig is lagging slightly. Uh, cause he's answering thing. He's trying to like make fun of you three, three or four words after you say the thing he's trying to make fun of you for. Maybe I'm just too fast for Craig. Eh, I don't think that's it. By the way, speaking of fast, you see like Britney Spears post today that she basically ran what a hundred meters or something faster than Usain Bolt. <laughs> That's a thing that happened today. We are, we are all stuck in our houses. Don't you laugh at me. That is a thing that happened today. I, in this one case, I'm actually not laughing at you. I'm laughing at mm, the world. Yeah. Um, I, 
but yes, we should probably just we should probably like go f- what five to one, like each share our number five and all all nice and uniformly. Yeah. Okay. Let's. Uh... Luke, Luke doesn't. Luke is just nonplussed. Well, because I tried not to put all. I mean, there's so many Penguin Stanley Cup wins. I tried not to put them all on here, and I just uh-huh. want to make sure there's an opportunity for Craig to ring the bell. But okay. Yeah, okay. All right. So let's go with uh, everybody's. Uh, Jamie, I guess we'll start with your number five. Are we doing highs or lows? That's a big question. Negativity or positivity? It feels like something we should have worked out before the show. It, it uh, is. Or So just make, make a call, Luke. I believe in you. Are you somebody I, I, that likes the good news first or the bad news first? I just kind of feel bad. like unpolished is our brand, so let's go sure. with that. So we'll I'm a bad news first brand. guy. All right. So, okay. So we'll go good news first then just to make sure Jamie's not happy. All right, Jamie, okay. what's, your, what's your number five? Uh, so a lot of these are going to, some of these are going to be games. Some of these are like moments or runs, but this one I kind of went broad with for number five. And uh, for me, uh, if you've listened to the show, you know, I like to make a lot of cross sport references. Uh, my first sports love was the Yankees and watching baseball and going to Yankee, old Yankee stadium with my dad. Uh, so I think, uh, Aaron Judge's rookie season in 2017, that whole run, a team that wasn't supposed to do much that year comes up, hits 52 home runs, rookie of the year, should have been the MVP of the American league that season. Uh, but that to me, that whole run of just seeing a, a young prospect, because the Yankees aren't really known since the nineties of having young prospects come up and have a ton of success right away. Uh, they've had guys like Severino that took a little bit more time, but they've usually gone out in the free agent market and found guys that are already established. So seeing a young guy excel like that over the course of a whole season and have an historic year, that'd be my number five positive moment. Uh, just out of curiosity, even though I know the answer, who won the uh, AL MVP in 2017? Um, I think it was Jose Altuve. Hold on. Let me go bang on this trash can. Yeah, let me find my trash can. Just There, there we go. <laughs> I think it's a curveball coming. All right. Uh, we'll go in alphabetical order. So Jamie, then Craig, then me, because that makes no sense at all. All right, Craig, what's yours? Yeah, it's funny. Uh, when I'm looking at the instructions here, I, I clearly see gut-wrenching losses and exhilarating wins. But, you know, I, I guess yeah. Jamie just bent the rules to uh, suit his needs. It took him three seconds to break the game. Yes, yes, he did. So I stuck to script, and you'd be surprised that this is number five, actually, but I chose the Cubs' first World Series win in more than 100 years when they beat the Astros. Wow. And that's it? Only number five. Okay. That's it. I'm keeping it brief. I'm respectful of your time, Luke, and the fact that you have to get up early tomorrow. Um, Wow, look at that. Look at Craig being respectful. My, uh, see, I, I tried to, to add some variety here. So my number five is not going to fit in with the other four. I just went with one specific game because it was the first ASU U of A game I've ever gone to in Tucson. And it's, uh, it's the game where James Brooks blocked two extra points and ASU ended up winning in overtime. I believe, yeah, double overtime actually. It, just because I was on the field for that game too. And it was just craziness from the very beginning to the very end. I'm sure it always is, but I've only been to two games ever in Tucson. And for that to be the first one I went to was, uh, was, was, that was pretty legit. So that's number five on my list. I was also at that game. That was, that was a fantastic game to cover. That's the game where Joel Robinson afterwards, uh, almost incited a riot standing right next to me on the field because he had a, a shirt that just said, I hate U of A and he just kept egging the crowd on. So that was fun too. <laughs> All right, Jamie. Number four, uh, I'm going to go with, and, and this is going to appear later on in this conversation, but uh, 2012 Western Conference quarterfinal game six uh, against Chicago in Chicago, the, the shutout, the game that finally got the Coyotes over the hump in the first round. Uh, and just if you remember anything about that game and Smith saving all the shots he saved, now they ended up pulling away late, but 
there, that was a white knuckle ride for the majority of that game. And there was a lot of thought given, especially the, the team struggles in the first round and what happened against the Red Wings beforehand in the seasons prior that if they lost that game six and had to play a game seven at Gila River Arena again, that they might be out of the first round once again for the third year in a row. So it's getting, getting over that hump, I think was a huge moment, uh, for me. Yeah, that's a huge one. Uh, Craig, do you have any sort of a commentary on that? Well, it was, it was actually on another one of my lists that we're going to bring up. So yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought up that game because that, I mean, first, yeah, first time they got out of the first round, obviously it's, it was a critical win. It meant a lot to this franchise. At least it, it seemed to at the time it's, it's faded a bit in significance because they haven't done anything since they didn't build off of that. But at the time they had finally escaped the first round. Uh, do you have anything that the bell might want to say or are we saving that for later on in the show? I feel like I'm just staring at Craig. Craig, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Did I just break up? No, I we just want so. to know if you're going to use the bell. We're talking about Chicago losing in the playoffs. No, I'm not going to use the bell. Wow. It's too loud. It'll it'll wow. destroy everything. Oh, I should just know. Just know it's here. Okay. Oh, okay. It's Makes me feel good. All right. What do you got, Craig? Number four. Number four for me, personal. I just taken the Bears over the Patriots. The first Super Bowl that I experienced. It was actually and Jamie just rolled his eyes at me. By the way, I saw that. Yeah, he did. I saw that. Isn't that great? We can see Jamie. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually usually not looking at him when I deliver this stuff, so I'm usually looking at you. So now I know. Now I know that's, how you feel. That's what I have yeah. to look at every week. Well, this it was actually the uh, it was the first championship I got to experience in Chicago. It was a long run before I actually tasted a title, so that was significant. And it was, of course, that generational defense and. We didn't know what the Patriots would become later on, but that was a very satisfying win. Yeah, I'm retroactively very happy that the Patriots lost that Super Bowl, even though at the time I'm sure nobody really, like you said, had any idea they would become the team they became 15 years later or whatever. Um, I'm going to go with baseball for my number four. Growing up in Seattle, the Mariners are and always have been terrible. But 95, they just replayed this game the other day too. Game five against the Yankees. Edgar Martinez driving in Ken Griffey Jr. to win the only playoff series they had won up to that point. It's not like they've won a whole lot since. So, you know how it is like when you're a kid following sports, they mean that much more. I think that was the last good Mariners highlight, and it was about 25 years ago. So I'm going with that one. All right, number three. Jamie, since Craig is keeping these brief, so I'm going to go story time now. Um, so oh, long time. Yeah, it's so going to take long- all your time. Yeah. Uh, so longtime listeners of the podcast know that, uh, I basically, I didn't get into hockey until I moved to Arizona, despite being born in New York. Uh, there's my grandmother who's from Toronto, uh, that's had season tickets for the Coyotes since the second they moved out to Arizona. The deal was she doesn't like driving at night. So once I got my learner's permit and my driver's license, I can go to as many hockey games as I want, provided that I just drove her to the games. Uh, so I started doing that, uh, toward the end of the 06, 07 season. Uh, so I was a humongous, and I didn't say this a lot on the podcast when I was covering the team because it wouldn't be appropriate, but I was a humongous Coyotes fan. Uh, I, I watched that team for a number of years uh, before I started covering them in the 2013 season. I say all of that because uh, my number three moment is game four of the 2012 Western Conference semifinals against Nashville, the one nothing shutout in Nashville, because I happened to travel uh, as a fan to that game. Uh, I, I literally got, gathered up all the coins I had, and I had, I think, I literally had to take like 80 something cents in change to the bank to be able to afford, uh, of the plane ticket to Nashville to go to this game. Uh, went to the game. Uh, they had a shutout 
And if you remember late in the game, Mike Smith breaks his stick stopping a shot that basically saves the game. I have that stick. Uh, that, that stick was given to me, uh, in the crowd after the game. So I am walking through downtown Nashville, which again, if you know where that stadium is, where Bridgestone Arena is, you are in the heart of downtown Nashville with a giant broken goalie stick trying to hail a cab to get back to, to my hotel. Uh, cause I wasn't even old enough to rent a car yet. Uh, so that to me is that moment of them winning that game because they were shut out in game three. So I'm like, Oh, did I spend all this money and time to go watch them lose both games in the second round? Uh, <laughs> don't scores in the first period. And that is it for the rest of that game. Uh, and so I still have that stick in the, in the shadow box, uh, at my mother's house right now. So that for me is, was a big moment. That's pretty awesome. Craig, you're not gonna be able to top that. Yeah. Thank you for that athletic length presentation, Jamie. <laughs> We, how many more of these do we have? I thought we wanted to keep this short. Uh, well, we did, so Jamie could talk more. So now you yeah, have okay. one second. I'm taking over. Okay. Number three for me, and the backdrop here, 1991 Bulls over Lakers for their first title. Michael Jordan's coming of age, beating Magic Johnson in the finals. However, the finals were going while I was getting married. I had my bachelor party with guys. I was over watching, I think it was game three, and by the time they won the title, I was in Jamaica on my honeymoon. And my wife, who was actually sitting nearby, um, allowed us to go to a hotel and watch the second half of the, the uh, series-clinching game, even though we were on our honeymoon. It's pretty cool. That's, that's pretty cool. That's that's really cool, actually. All right, that's that's a that's a good number three. Uh, my number three, and I just would like to point out, I, I really considered making all five of these different Penguin Stanley Cup wins, but I'm not going to do that. But number three, I have the Penguins in 2016 over San Jose, because if you recall, at that point, it had been seven years since they had won, which, you know, normally big deal, except all of the criticism of Sidney Crosby and of Kenny Malkin, but mainly Crosby had been building for about five of those years because they had only won the one cup and they had only been the two cups. So Crosby missed a lot of time in there, but we were getting to the point where if they don't win another one and both those guys skate off into the sunset with just one Stanley Cup win, it's it's a different legacy. Now, obviously, they each have three, but the, the one they got in 2016 was, was big because it kind of brought them back and made them it made them at least contenders with the Blackhawks for, for team of the uh, the century so far. Yeah, close. They're kind of close. Kind of. Kind of. Except only one of those teams has back-to-back Stanley Cups. But whatever. Uh, yeah. right. Number two, Jamie. Uh, Jamie. Uh, for the next 20 minutes. Go. Uh, this one will be really quick. Uh, the 2009, uh, 2009 Yankees World Series victory over the Phillies in game six. Uh, I was old enough then when they they, had a, they won a lot, but they won a lot when I was a little kid. Uh, and then they had they went on a little losing streak there in the World Series in 01 and 03. And then they weren't there for a while. So then finally getting over the hump when I was old enough to appreciate what was happening and appreciate the entire run, uh, coming off that free agency where they signed Mark Deshera, AJ Burnett, CC Sabathia. Uh, that was a big moment. Good stuff. Number two, number two for me is going to be very brief because it'll be painful for our listeners to hear. Oh, good. John Paxson, Chicago Bulls, 1993 NBA finals at America West Arena, three pointer. You probably won't be welcome back on this podcast. Probably not. By most of the listeners, but I will, I will see that and I will respond with uh, Jamie's basically from earlier. My number two, uh, especially covering the team at the time, the Coyotes over the Blackhawks in the, uh, the 2012 playoffs and getting out of the first round for the first time ever and doing it against a, a really good Chicago team. So that's, uh, that's my number two. 
Jamie. And I'll go to uh, to number one here. And I, I've I've sensed my fandom uh, of the Arizona Cardinals has waned. Uh, I don't really have a team right now, but uh, I had season tickets uh, my senior year of high school, my freshman year of college, uh, and I followed them closely for a while. And I was at all of their 2008 postseason run. I was at the wild card game against Atlanta. Uh, I was actually at a Coyotes game during their Carolina, when they beat the Carolina Panthers in Carolina. I was at the NFC Championship game against the Eagles. Uh, so that run there, I know it has a bitter ending at the very end, but that run there uh, was, was tremendous. Number one for me, Patrick Kane, 2010. Blackhawks finally end a 49-year playoff uh, Stanley Cup drought when Patrick scored a goal that nobody knew was in the net which was really anticlimactic, by the way. It was really tough to absorb the first Stanley Cup that I'd seen in my lifetime and, and not even know it had happened for a couple minutes. Yeah, but you got over it pretty quickly. I did, I pretty quickly, okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess keeping that theme, uh, the Penguins' 17-year cup drought ending in uh, 2009, the, uh, the year that they – what was the, the series against the Capitals? It looked like that series was done a few times. That was the series where Crosby and Ovechkin each had a hat trick in one game. Uh, so that actually, that series was probably, I don't want to say it was a bigger deal because they ultimately beat Detroit in the Stanley Cup. I believe it was Max Talbot with the goal that ended up winning it. And if you recall the end of that game, it was game seven against Detroit. The Red Wings had like four chances to tie it in like the last 10 seconds. And Flurry came up big, even though he didn't come up big for like the next seven years, he came up big in that one. So that's, uh, that's my number one because like Jamie said earlier, I mean, the Penguins won cups in 91 and 92. But I just wasn't old enough to truly appreciate it. Like I do remember them, but I just it, it's it it wasn't the same as when they won in two thousand nine for me. So that's our. Are we doing all these lists tonight? You want to do them all? I don't know. It's getting a little long. Why don't we uh, save the valley ones for next week? We'll Let's do our it. low. We'll do our low five now, and then move into listener questions. There's a lot of listener questions. I have a lot of lows too. By the way, being a Chicago fan for you know pretty much three decades, four decades, it was pretty bad. It was pretty yeah, you, dark. You just do a whole list on the Cubs. three decades. I'll say. Okay. I'm not going to age myself that much. Well, would you like to start the lows then? I'll start with uh, number five is uh, 2014 when the Blackhawks had a chance to repeat as Stanley Cup champions. They were facing the Kings, of course. You remember the moment. Alec Martinez's shot in overtime deflected off a of Blackhawk. Didn't even really earn the goal, just got a lucky bounce, and the Blackhawks were gone in the Western Conference Final. Even worse, the L.A. Kings were headed back to the Cup Final. Yeah, nothing against the Kings. Uh, that's not really true. Um, but their two, their two actual Stanley Cup wins were two of the more boring Stanley Cups in the last, I don't know what, 15 years. I'd agree. They beat the yeah. Devils and the Rangers and they're like the, I mean, if you're a Kings fan, I'm sure they're great, but they're two of the least memorable actual Stanley Cup finals that I can remember here in the last, uh, like 15 years. Um, okay. My number five is, uh, <laughs> it's also from 2012, which was a pretty eventful year, especially in the NHL. Penguins Flyers first round and I'm going to read you some of the scores in this series where it was, if you guys recall, it was just absolute uh, chaos and there was just fights every game, but there was a stretch in the first three games where the Flyers scored 20 goals in the first three games of that series. Pittsburgh ended up going out in the first round as the highest scoring team in the entire playoffs in terms of goals per game in the playoffs, but they still went out in the first round, which is just a testimony to to how impressive their goaltending and defense was in that series. And it was worse because it was Philadelphia. Uh, my number five, and it, it's not so much this moment, but this it's what happened immediately after this moment in the coming days. But the 2007 Western Conference semifinals, Sun Spurs, 
Robert Ory's check of Steve Nash into the boards, uh, and then the subsequent cool. suspensions, uh, losing the fi- that series being tied two two, losing the final two games of that series. Uh, Spurs going on to to win the NBA championship that year. Uh, I w- I've never been a huge basketball fan, but those seven second or less Suns teams were so exciting you couldn't help but be captivated by them. Uh, and that was just everything that around it from from who the opponent was to the decision made by David Stern to all that. Uh, that was a was a low point for me. Yeah, that was brutal. That was probably the low point for any Suns fan. All right, number four for me, 1984 NLCS, Cubs Padres. You guys don't remember this. Were you even born? You weren't born, were no. you? No, that's just depressing. Oh, I have another answer for you, though. The Cubs had a 2-0 lead in this best-of-five series, and then it switched to San Diego for the final three games, and Steve Garvey took over, Lee Smith collapsed, and Leon Durham became Bill Buckner before Bill Buckner was Bill Buckner. There you have oh, it. Oh. At least that's the worst thing that's ever happened to the Cubs in the NLCS. <laughs> ah, we'll get to that in a moment. Yeah, see, that's where I thought you were going. Um, my number four, again, growing up in Seattle, actually the team I followed the closest at the time was the Sonics, who don't even exist anymore, so that's foreshadowing for later in the list. But uh, the 94 playoffs, going back again to what Jamie and I both said earlier, when you're a kid, sports really sting or they're great, depending what happens. The Sonics had probably the best team they were ever going to have, although they did make the finals and lose to the Bulls a couple years later. But they were the number one seed, and I believe they're the first number one seed in the NBA to ever lose in the first round to Dikembe Mutombo and the Nuggets. And that image is replayed every single year during the NBA playoffs, which makes it just that much worse. Yeah, my number four is going to be one we'll probably talk about a lot next week, and that's game five of the 2012 Western Conference Final uh, against the LA Coyotes, Kelly Kings, and everything that transpired in that overtime period, the, the neon knee, the, you know, Doan and Mike Smith screaming at the officials at center ice. And then knowing that they had completely lost their cool and this game wasn't going to go much longer if they couldn't mentally get back there. And it did not go much longer. Uh, they probably weren't going to win that series anyway, uh, cause they still would have, they still would have been down, but, uh, that was, uh, that was a brutal way for that run to end, especially considering everything that happened afterwards, the delay in the next season. And then they haven't been in the playoff since. That was the if most our, upset I've ever seen Shane Doan, by the way. Yeah. If our if my readers have uh, read that story that you guys helped me collaborate on, they they know there's an alternate universe where the LA Kings didn't even make the playoffs that season in, and the uh, Coyotes went on to win the cup, beating the Devils. Yeah. All right, my, my number three, again, this is going way back, but that first Penguins Cup that you talked about in 1991, the Blackhawks actually won the President's Trophy that oh, year. That's nice. Yes, and then they – Collapsed in the first round against the who Minnesota North Stars and John Casey. Yeah, I, I can. I, I'm not ashamed to admit this at this point. It's been a long time. Um, you know those trunks that you you get in college? They have the little padlock on the front. And you can sort of cedar line. You can carry a lot of stuff in them. So I, I might have put my foot through mine after they lost that series. <laughs> Uh, I can see that. I had a roommate in college that broke a number of our walls every time the Red Sox lost to the Yankees. So at a certain point, I thought our apartment was going to collapse. Um, number three for me is Coyotes Red Wings 2010, mm-hmm. the game that Shane Doan, and he actually hadn't played earlier in the series too, but the one where he thought he could come back. Dave Tippett's first year coaching the team. That's, of course, the year Doan got hurt trying to avoid Jimmy Howard. And uh, at the time, we talked about this recently too, but at the time beating the Red Wings would have been a huge deal, not only because it got the Coyotes out of the first round of the playoffs for the first time ever, but Detroit had been to the Cup the year before and won the Cup the year before that. So, I mean, Detroit, this is back when they were actually good and in the Western Conference. 
And it just felt like that was the best Coyotes team, even better than the 2012 team. And that would have been really shocking the, uh, the hockey world if they could have knocked off Detroit because people just weren't paying attention to the Coyotes outside of Phoenix at that point, And they were just so close. And at least had they played full strength and lost, it would have been different. But to not have Doan back when Doan was really pretty good, that hurt. He was a beast in that series. But I still think they would have won that series if he had stayed healthy. I do too. That that's actually my number three too. Uh, game seven of the, of that series because it's okay. Thanks, Jamie. Yeah. <laughs> no, because again, <laughs> no score after one. Uh, future Coyotes great Pavel Datsuk scores two quick goals to start a second period. But the Vern Fiddler goal makes you think, okay, this game's not over yet. Give up another goal to Lidstrom, and then that that this backbreaker with a few seconds left at the end of the second period to make it four two Detroit, and then the whole third period just felt like it was over at that point, and they end up losing a uh, six to one. Yeah. Yeah. All right, number two for me is the 1988 NFC playoffs. This is Walter Payton's final game in a Bear uniform. And for the second straight season, Joe Gibbs outcoached Mike Ditka, and the Bears lost 21-17. Final play of the game, fourth and eight. Payton carries the ball and gets stopped after a seven-yard gain. So the final play of his career is him coming up one yard short of a first down to extend potential game-winning drive. There's a that lot of Chicago, point. a lot of Chicago paint on this list. Number two, yes. You're just waiting for that bell, aren't you? I really, I just because I know the bell's there. Yeah, I want to hear it. Number two on my list doesn't need much uh, description. I'll just say again that I was a Sonics fan growing up, and they <laughs> left Seattle in 2008. I believe they had just drafted Russell Westbrook. He didn't even play for them, and a year earlier they had drafted Kevin Durant. So not only were they leaving for Oklahoma City after everybody assured the people in Seattle that. The, guy from Oklahoma City who said he wanted to move a team there wasn't going to move the Sonics there and then clearly tanked for a year so he could do it. Yeah, they actually had a half-decent core that they were building with Durant and Russell Westbrook, so I, uh, I'm i fine if the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder never win a championship. And they probably won't because they got rid of James Harden and lost Kevin Durant. Uh, my number two, and again, I'm, I'm sure this is a different memory for most of our listeners, but would be Game 7 of the 2001 World Series. Uh, the, the blooper of Luis Gonzalez over the p- pulled in infield, uh, for the Diamondbacks to beat the, the New York Yankees. I had just, I mean, just moved to Arizona at that point. So, uh, my whole, like, one side of the family was rooting for the Diamondbacks and there was like me and my father rooting for the, for the Yankees. So that was, uh, not so much fun. That should have been on my first list because I hugged, I remember hugging five people that I did not know after that single. Sorry, Jamie. But Don't do that, that now. No, no, I can't do that now. So it's a good thing I did it in 2001. All right, Craig, what do you got? Number one for me, personal low, and you're, you already know what I'm going to answer here. Uh, it's the 2003 NLCS Cubs Marlins and Steve Barpin. I still haven't gotten over that one. It was just agony, absolute agony. And, it, and people always forget the Alex Gonzalez play when it was still tied. Yeah. Routine double play ball for the I mean, we completely lagged out when you start talking about the Gonzalez. Right, play. I just started crying. Alex Gonzalez had the highest fielding percentage in the National League that year, and he botched a routine double play ball that would have gotten them out of the inning, still tied in with a chance. But obviously, that didn't happen. That's the thing. They 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 still had chances to win that game and that series, and they just let that one. I mean, obviously, historically weird play. But they just let it completely deflate them. It was the weirdest thing. They had that game under control. And like you said, Craig, they still could have won that game. And they were just like, nope, we're done. It's so strange. Isn't it fascinating how many huge moments in sports happen where they still, like in a non-clinching scenario, for example, like Miracle on Ice, 
the Bartman play, yep. uh, Bill Buckner, Buckner yeah. all of those ones had an additional game after them. And I know, I know we kind of, those all kind of get forgotten by those who aren't fans of those teams in those moments, but like that wasn't the end for any of those teams. Mm-hmm. And I think it's yeah. just interesting how we look back in history and go, you know, we forget that there were other opportunities. Like what if, what if USA would have lost the gold medal game? You know, what if the Cubs win game seven? What if the Red Sox beat the Mets in game seven? Like, how, would those moments even matter in history? Would anybody even care? Would we even talk about them ever again? Like, it's, it's so interesting to think about how, how those things could have changed. You might still talk about the miracle just because beating the Soviets at that point was such a big deal, but I don't think you would ever, I mean, Bartman, that would have gone away. Cubs fans, I guess, might still talk about it, but nobody else. And, uh, yeah, Buckner. I mean, no, nobody would ever talk about that if the Red Sox just came back and won the next game. It's just a, a ground ball that somebody misplayed. That does happen. So you're right. Yeah, nobody ever would have talked about that again. What's your number one, Luke? My number one is a very specific Coyotes experience, and it's sort of similar to what Jamie said earlier, losing in the 2012 uh, Western Conference Final to L.A. But for me, it's actually specifically Game 3 in L.A. because I was there for Game 3 and Game 4 doing the broadcasts in I know people get upset at the officiating a lot, especially if you're a fan. Game three against the Kings in L.A. that year is the only game, really, that I can think of where I thought the officiating cost or decided a game. If you recall, that was that was really the game where Dustin Brown earned his reputation of diving all over the ice. It was It's really one of the few games I can remember ever covering where the next day talking to players on the Coyotes, they were all still upset about it and were saying it on the record and, I mean, I remember interviewing Mikel Bodker going into game four, which the Coyotes actually won. And all he could talk about was how bad the officiating was in game three. It was just a series of frustrating, like calls that shouldn't have been called and then completely missed calls. And it just, it just killed the game. There was so much energy and, and I don't want to say momentum because LA was already up in the series. And, you know, like Jamie said earlier, LA probably still wins the series, but. Looking back now, if that doesn't happen, they're, they're 2-2 probably going back to Phoenix. That was just one of the most frustrating games to watch because it never got going because the officiating took over. And that, that's a good call. Uh, that's a good call. I've forgotten about that. Uh, my number one uh, is the 2004 ALCS because I, I, it was, for me, the official end of the Yankees dynasty as we knew it. Uh, it kicked off Boston's run of not only the Red Sox getting over the hump and winning multiple World Series, but really Boston as a city becoming the championship city for the next decade, decade and a half, really. Uh, but blowing that 3 nothing lead in that series when everything was against Boston, every narrative, everything that could have possibly happened, then at that point, you lost the, the, the 01 World Series. You lost the 03 World Series. You should have been there in 04, didn't get there and took, you know, another five years uh, to get back. So to me, that was my uh, number one most painful moment because it made Boston fans happy. Jamie, if it makes you feel any better, I don't think any Boston teams are going to be winning any titles for a while when we come back because the Patriots don't look good and the Red Sox just gave up on Mookie Betts. What about the and Bruins? the NHL uh, probably going to cancel its season to uh, prevent the Bruins from winning. <laughs> It's so tough being a Boston sports fan. Um, all right, you want to get to some of these questions? I'm going to take that as a yes. Let's go with uh, Los Coyote Steve. If Arizona was facing potential buyouts to fit a Hall extension, do you have a list of two to three potential candidates? Buyouts? Buyouts. That's what he wrote. I... I, I just can't see that happening. I can't see that happening. Uh, it's been so much a part of their history in the past. I, I feel like they've moved away from being that sort of team. I, no, I don't see it happening. I don't have a list of candidates. Okay. No. You guys? I, I, 
Not for a buyout. I think if you, really. can find, if you could trade Derek Stepan, um, you know, if you're talking yeah. about trying to free up enough money for Taylor Hall. But again, that's not going to be easy as well, and you might have to attach a piece to that. But, um, but I can't imagine they're going to be spending actual cash to take players off their team. Los Coyotes Steve has another one. If Hall doesn't elect to sign with Arizona and we have a much lower than anticipated salary cap, how do we think Chica will approach this offseason? Again, I, I mean, I think they, they need to shore up their center position. So I think they should be looking there, but they, they still need that type of wing that Taylor Hall is. They need a, an offensive force. So those would be two pieces I'd be looking at. But something that Jamie mentioned before, you have to move some pieces off of that. Derek Stepan might be one of those guys they look to try to move. Alex Goligoski might be another guy they look to move. They need to move some significant salary off their books. Maybe Michael Grabner, if someone wants him. They need to move some money in order to make those moves still. I want to throw this out there, too. This is not a listener question, but it's it's a thought I had actually earlier. I think I texted it to you guys, and you both just ignored me. But what about the teams like like Carolina and the Islanders that really, I don't want to say went all in, but they gave up a lot of pieces for rentals for this year to try and win. And, you know, like you said, Craig, there's a, there's at least a decent chance we don't finish this season out and we just sort of resume uh, like normal next season. So if you're a team that went all in or relatively all in on rentals, I mean, <laughs> you don't even get to see how they would have played out. SOL. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. There's no, I mean, there's no other way around it. You, you can't, you're not running it back with, you know, you know, you're going to toll a year on these contracts. There's not, there's a 0% chance anything like that happens. So it, I don't know. I don't know if we're like right now, like the, it, I think Craig put him out or somebody asked Craig on, on Twitter about uh, some of these betting sites that have like, when will the NHL return? Pretty much they're all in the kind of consensus of where we were talking about of probably July, yeah. you know, at, at earliest. And then at that point, you're not playing regular season games anymore. And who knows if you're playing even a full postseason at that point. No. I mean, I think there's also a legitimate yeah. chance that they don't play again, period, this year. I, I do think that's a real I possibility. Too. I do, too. So, Because the NBA is willing to push their entire league calendar back months. Yeah. But I don't think the NHL is going to be willing to do that. I'm also not even 100%. They're laying low right now, but I'm not even sure the NFL and college football seasons are going to start on time. I think there's a very good chance those are pushed back, too. This this could be – we could have a Stanley Cup of season. Yeah. Which, is, which sucks for everybody, but it's the reality. And unfortunately, everybody's having to deal with it, but some teams are hurt more than others. Well, and- getting back to the question, Luke, I, I don't see any concessions being made for those teams. I just, it's the cost of doing business. There's, these yeah. are unprecedented times. You can't, you can't make allowances for this. I, I, and yeah, I mean, there's no way you can do anything. I, I wasn't even suggesting that. It's just, it's, you know, it's, that's, that's a very strange kind of, uh, yeah. cruel twist to your season because, you know, like Jamie just said, what if they come back and just play in the playoffs? The Islanders would miss the playoffs if that were the case. But, you know, for a team like Carolina, they may go out quickly or and it might be a best of three or whatever in the first round, but at least they had a chance with some of the players that they traded for, as opposed to the Islanders who just missed completely, even though, you know, right now they're one point behind Columbus and they've played two less games. So they probably would have caught Columbus. But, yeah, that's just the way it is. So I want to ask you guys this question, though. If let's, let's hypothetically the league comes back and they have to go right to the postseason, Shouldn't they go by points percentage, not yes, total points? Yes. Like, yes, I feel I like so. you Absolutely. have to go by that. Yeah, absolutely. I think you have to. I know someone's going to ask this later, uh, and so I'm just going to jump out in front of it. I, I when we talk about like because the conversation in Coyotesville is if they let's say they don't come back or they don't play, what happens with Taylor Hall compensation because it was tied to uh, there's some provisions tied to making the postseason or advancing. To me, I think if you don't play a postseason, 
they should do one of two things. What I would do is every provision for not making the playoffs should prevail because they technically did not make the playoffs because there were no playoffs. Uh, what do I think they're going to do? I think, uh, I, I don't know. But I, to me, I think if you went across the board and said, you know, okay, well, we're not doing a playoff, so any compensation tied to making the playoffs is going to be a no. And then you work off it from there. That's what I would do. Yeah, I, th- I think you have to. And I mean, even if you wanted to go by, like, would they have made the playoffs, which I don't even think you should do that. But if you want to do that, the Coyotes weren't in a playoff spot. But certainly you can't, you can't punish them and make them, you know, make that trade go through as if they made the playoffs because they weren't in a playoff spot and they didn't get to play in playoff games. So they, I mean, that's like the worst possible deal if you have to pay as if you did make it when you put provisions in the actual trade to make sure that wasn't going to be the case. Um, fantastic, Mr. Fox. What happens to all the hats after a hat trick? Can you attempt to get your hat back? And have you guys ever thrown your hats? They just take them all. Yeah, they t- they collect them. I've never thrown a hat. Yeah. I've never either. Uh, well, the player actually gets to choose maybe a select few. They'll have their first dibs on a few, but they do actually, most teams actually give the, the fans an opportunity to get them back through a basic loss and found where you have to give a specific description of the hat you threw and you might get it back. Some of them donate them to charities too. So wow. there I, you go. I did not know that. Yeah, that's it. it's interesting. I uh, I have not thrown a hat, but uh, again, to me, just thinking about the hat memories, the the photo that went around with Shane Doan's first hat trick and him sitting in the locker room with a just giant bag of hats in front of him. Uh, that's great moment of Coyotes history. But uh, no, I, I don't wear a lot of hats, so uh, I'm not throwing them out on the ice. That's interesting because I really haven't seen you wear a lot of hats, but you have called a hat store before when trying to call into this show. So uh, I don't know. Oh, there that, it is. That, uh, you guys took advantage of me when I was out of town, and <laughs> I'm still hurt by it. I literally – I had to call we, – so we called in the studio, Craig and I on conference line, uh, mostly me because Craig can't figure out how to do a conference call. And <laughs> All right. So because of that, I double-checked the number, which, by the way, you gave me the wrong number again. You, you mixed up two numbers, but uh, I went, made sure that it wasn't a, a prank phone number. It may have been. <laughs> People. may have been yeah what, by the way which size hat would you say you wear now or with the hair Oof, i don't know yes, probably like a yes. probably like a 10 right did they make tents <laughs> i think that's, i right. only have a metaphorically have a head that big would you like would you if you were wearing a hat that had like an opening in the back would you pull it all through the back Maybe not all, but some of it okay but like you can't i don't i'm not rocking a ponytail so i have to be like you have to be strategic all right. About how I do it. I don't feel like this is what fantastic Mr. Fox asked, but this is the it, answer it he's not. getting. Um, Adam writes in, hope you're all staying safe and healthy. Thanks, Adam. Two questions. How would the Coyotes have fared in the 90s if they had kept Tamo Solani, and what's your best quarantine food recommendation? Well, they would have been better. Well, quick, you kind of you kind of touch on that in your article, don't you? A I little did. Bit? I, I guess it depends on whether they, you know, are we talking about the same Coyotes who couldn't afford then to – Go out and get Jeremy Roenick as well. Are we talking about the alternate universe Coyotes where they, they could have both of those players? I, it's a lot of questions here, but, uh, I would have loved to have seen Tamu Solani play in the Valley and he obviously was a spectacular player in his years in Anaheim. Not here. Yeah. <laughs> and that hurt. That's one of many, many things that hurts in the Coyotes history. What was the, what was the second part? Best, uh, quarantine food recommendation. Oh man. I mean. Uh, I don't know. Pasta. Pasta is a good one to have around. It's versatile. Pasta is a good one. Yeah. Cause it's, it's, yeah. Like you just said, it's versatile and it, it lasts. So it, yeah, it meets a lot of the, and it's good. Cereal. I mean, that's, that's a good to get bags of cereal. I, I, I've been loading up on ham steaks. 
What? That's a good. That's a good dinner. That's a good dinner to make. Yeah, it's a ham steak. You've never seen one? I don't think so. I'll show you after. It's it's right. it's like a giant. It's like a ham on the bone. I'll show you. Oh, okay. It's okay. good. They last for a while. Yeah, I'll show you. Hey, uh, could you please stop talking? <laughs> I'm getting sick. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, ahead. for all the things that Jamie said on the show, I don't think either of us have ever actually politely asked him to please stop talking. I'm sure the listeners have, but he can't hear them. That's the first time in, in show history Craig's done that. <laughs> um, Matt, is, is Jamie here anymore? Jamie Banish. Jamie, Jamie Banish, by the way. I, I'm, I'm on the camera. Oh, he's got one steak. of those. There you go. That's what this looked like. Yeah, stop putting that in the camera. I, this I, is a ham steak. It sounded okay. better than it looked. I'll, I'll say that for sure. Uh, Matt writes in last episode, you were asked which coyotes player you'd most want to be quarantined with all time was Shane Doan, but a little disappointed. Nobody brought up Ilya Brzgalov. Uh, that would be fun for about two hours. Yeah. I want to keep my sanity. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'd be worried about too. Anything after two hours would be pretty intense. Uh, Sarah writes in, answer my D and D question. You cowards race class. You would want to be and or play. I don't know how to answer. I've never played. I've never played. Yeah. Dungeons same. Dragons. same. I have I no know. idea how to answer. So there's your answer, Sarah. Sorry. When I see here, I'll, I'll try to answer. When I see D and D, I'm assuming defense in a hockey team. And I don't know. I would take Victor Hedman on one side. I mean, who are the two best defense in the NHL? Probably Hedman and John Carlson. John Carlson. Yeah. Roman Yossi. Yeah, Yossi's Yossi. too. So if if it was D and D and D, then we'd go Carlson, Hedman, Yossi. Okay. okay. So, so apparently it was a Norris Trophy question. Okay. Um, Cheryl, I've taken to holding long philosophical conversations with my appliances. Should I be worried? Absolutely not. <laughs> also, in the current circumstances, is it acceptable to eat popcorn for all three meals? Yeah. Oh yeah. Of course. I, I would say so for sure. Cheryl, reach out to loved ones. That's my suggestion to you. Well, what if what if the toaster is a loved one? Is that is that doesn't count? Sebastian writes in. When do I get to be on again? <laughs> I don't even know how to answer that. You know what I'm realizing? This really just kills my vibe on this show. Of the two of you, Craig's the only one that laughs at anything I ever say. I didn't realize that until tonight, although I should have. But. Because Craig has the lag on his uh, on his connection here, I'm not getting any of that like courtesy no. laugh after my comments. I wonder how Sweden is handling the the coronavirus. I haven't heard much about them. When I picture Sweden, I just picture a magical place where they play hockey all the time. That's what I think of Sweden. Um, Alex writes in, and I think Jamie sort of set this up earlier. If the season was to be over, technically the Avalanche would miss the playoffs. So Jamie's prediction isn't wrong, right? Correct. And that will be, that will be my defense for the next 12 months. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Getting off on a technicality. I am not above it. Clearly, I am not above it. No, absolutely not. You're eating ham steak or whatever you call it. Um, John writes in, do you honestly think this season is done, done? I, I would put it like uh, this completely arbitrary guess, but I would say I feel like 30% chance it's done, done. Hmm. Because I, I, I might even it, go higher. I might yeah, even go I, higher on that. I, I, not to get too deep into this because this is supposed to be escapism, but depending on how you feel about current leadership, let's just say, um, depending on your <laughs> confidence level there will determine the confidence level that any of these sports return on a timeline that is significant and turn, on a timeline that ever includes fans. Uh, I would not be surprised if some of these leagues like baseball or particularly baseball because of their TV deals start 
playing the majority of their games early in the season without fans. This isn't just going to magically go away in a few weeks or a few months. Uh, it'll be manageable, but uh, this is a long-term issue for everybody. And from a sports pet point of view, uh, if the NHL is serious about next year being the biggest deal and not pushing back their calendar and making sure they get a full 82-game season in next season, I think there's a really strong chance that we might actually just be done with this and it might just be a lost year. Um, I'll go with about the 30% that you went with. I just, like Craig said earlier, you can push the NBA back and they might consider just permanently starting their, their seasons around Christmas, which I've been saying they should do for five years. Uh, but the NHL can't do that. So they have more of a, of a wall in the middle of the summer that if they don't start playing, I don't know when that wall is, but if they don't, you know, if they're not playing by June or July, that's, that's it. They can't start in August the way the NBA, I mean, the NBA can't start in August, but they could be playing deep into August. So I'll say, I'll say there's still a 70% chance they crown a champion this year. But yeah, I mean, there is a 30% chance that's just it. And we are just moving on until next season, which would absolutely suck because we've all been looking way, forward to these Eastern Conference playoffs. You mentioned Ilya Brzezgalov earlier. Uh, he does have a solution to what we should do with the NHL season. He says award Boston the Cup right now. Oh, this doesn't surprise you. Yeah, that's what Ilya says. Yeah, I'm not, I not, talked to him uh, last week. So For something upcoming in the athletic. Oh, I noticed that part came through very clearly on the connection. Mm-hmm. That's that's interesting. Uh, okay, let's uh, another question from John. Between the three of you, who would survive the longest in a Mad Max world? Oh, not me. Not you? Not me. Okay. I don't want to live in a Mad Max world. No, I don't want to live in a Mad Max world. Do you? Do you? Do you want to go into Thunderdome? Well, no, I don't want to. Neither do I. I have my votes for Luke. Yeah, because my vote would have been for Craig, and Craig already took himself out. So I'll vote for Luke. By default, I win. All right. Do I get something for that or just nothing? No. Um,. During this is Coyote in Philly. During your quarantine, if you had to make a shot-by-shot recreation of a movie in claymation, what would you pick? Oh, uh, great wow. question! I'm glad you asked that, Coyote I Philly. Feel I like I needed more prep time for this Ooh. one. <laughs> Let's see. Well, I mean, The Godfather's out because that would take way too long. I'll go. I'll go with. Um, I'll go with Wedding Crashers. Claymation. Yes. Wedding Crashers. I'm imagining this. Hmm. Uh, I'd probably go with Despicable Me. <laughs> Nothing else? Are there, wait, are there any Claymation movies? I could just... Isn't, uh, isn't Frosty the Snowman? Uh, I'm going to go with Jurassic Park. Ooh, I want to do the outhouse scene. Part. Yeah. Call back to last week. Wow. Did Gumby have a movie? Should Gumby have had a movie? <laughs> Let's. Can we not talk about Gumby? Okay. You know my feelings about Gumby. No, we not don't. Com- not comfortable with Gumby. Okay. Yeah, Craig is not Team Gumby. <laughs> no, I'm uh, uncomfortable about everything that – never mind. I don't want to talk about this. Let's move on. All right. Well, then I've got uh, social distancing since 88. Favorite shows to binge watch <laughs> under isolation. Mine are Frasier and the Golden Girls. To be clear, that's those are his, not mine. So I, he, he tricked uh, I'm not a – I, I, I will – I have a little bit. They used to like be randomly on TV when I was a kid. Um, I'm not a huge like binge person all the time, but, uh, my girlfriend and I just watched a couple weeks ago, Love is Blind on Netflix, which is just so chaotic. Uh, it is, it's really, it's worth watching, uh, if you yeah. haven't already. 
Uh, and I know it's a dating show, but it's so ridiculous that it's worth, it's worth watching just to see what happens. You don't actually really worry about the plot line as much as you do just the ridiculousness of it all. My daughters control the TV, so I don't get to decide any of this. <laughs> well, I guess that's, uh, that's that. Yeah. I'm, I'm sort of uh, along the same lines. I don't, I don't typically sit down and just watch like five episodes of a show, but I would say if I was going to binge watch something, it would have to be comedy. Like, the more intense shows, I haven't seen Breaking Bad, and maybe I will start watching it here soon at some point just because everybody yells at me that I haven't. But shows like that or shows that are intense, like um, I don't know, like Mr. Robot is a very intense show. Like, I could never binge watch a show like that. But if I'm going to watch a bunch of something, I would prefer they were shorter episodes and have some sort of uh, humor in them. Like Entourage. Entourage was a, was a bingeable show, I guess. One I would suggest, too, it's a little bit longer. They're not short episodes. But if you have HBO and haven't seen The Newsroom... Uh, and Aaron yeah. Sorkin, uh, yeah. I would, I would suggest that if the first 10 minutes doesn't have you hooked, then I don't think you have a pulse. That, that is a very, very bingeable show. I'll give you that. And also the sort of show that, um, I'm surprised Aaron Sorkin hasn't come back and, and made I honestly, three seasons. I, I would love somebody to do, uh, the last three ish years, uh, version of, of the newsroom again. He, he's, got so much more material to work with now than he did. I mean, if you haven't seen the show, they, they, it's basically a newsroom reacting to actual events that happened on the dates they happened. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's done very well, but uh, <laughs> he's had a lot more material in the last three years. Cam writes in opinion on Oleg Tevardovsky. That's for Craig. I have none. Many awkward consonant combinations. <laughs> It'd be great if they did words with friends that was just hockey names. Um, Chris and Phoenix, did Mrs. Rita predict any kind of virus? Sorry, you guys froze again for a moment there. Can you hear us now? Greg, you back. We have a Miss Rita back. question. I'm this back. is all you. Yes. Oh, no. Um, predict this. She did this. What, what's the question? Did she predict that your connection's going out here? All right, hold on. <laughs> You're back, and that was an evil laugh. <laughs> it's okay, so she didn't predict this, so this is just a miserable experience. Um, yes. Leonardo. Nice. Hot dog, hamburger, pizza, or tacos? Pizza. Pizza, yeah. Hamburger. Ooh, didn't expect that. In yeah. fact, that might be fourth on my list. Not even cheeseburger? Well, of course, cheeseburger, but, like, I, you know, it was, it was not said cheeseburger, it said hamburger, so... But yeah, cheeseburger, good. It's it's versatile. I guess pizza can be versatile, but pizza's versatile. Hot dogs not really that versatile. No, well, I mean Chicago dogs are versatile, but like that's just because you you pour a lot on them, which I love them, by the way. But everything but ketchup, yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've established this on the show. Yeah, I, I hope so. Uh, Craig writes in, or not no, Craig? Sorry, Seth wrote in to Craig. Um, have you thought about doing a Natty Hattie Beer Leaguers fantasy camp? Craig with special guest Cat teaching goalies. Luke plays Duck Duck Goose with Alfie and company if he can ever find them. By the way, I sent a picture, like a proof of life picture to Craig and Jamie this morning. Proof of life, but not proof of location. <laughs> but, and also, by the way, there was no like date anywhere. There was no like defining dates in the background. Yeah, Those were, taking yeah, weeks no time that. stamp, exactly. Well, you exactly. Can, I mean, you can, look, you can look at the picture and see when it was taken, can't you? I thought that was a I mean, thing you could do. Yeah, but like, kind of, but like, I don't want to go to doing all that. Oh, so, okay. So you'd rather just blame me with, uh, with Goligoski <laughs> dressed as a goose and Jamie runs around screaming nonlinear progression. I mean, we hadn't considered that, but we're going to now. Now we are. Yeah. 
Um, Rebecca, I'm getting depressed with all this bad news. As a Coyotes fan, what do I have to look forward to? So tell me some good news. Well, you have this podcast to look forward to every week and the Natty Hattie Challenge. That's true. There you go. That right there. And I mean, if the, even if this season does end up being over, the Coyotes should still be a, a good team next year. It's just. And kind of, that almost, it was, it, it somehow would have been worse, I think, if the Coyotes were playing well and not in a tailspin for most of the like month leading up to this. Yeah. If they were in like, first uh, yeah, I agree with you there. there. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think the that? what ifs, the what ifs would be like right now, the what ifs was maybe they could sneak in versus like, what if they win the division? That would have been a Coyotes moment had they been in first place and then the season got canceled. That would have been classic Coyotes. That would have been just a classic Phoenix sports moment. But for that to have happened, we would be going into the playoffs and then the season would get canceled. So they would have finished with the best record in the Pacific and like the, I don't know, the sixth best record in hockey or something. Um, MK, first of all, thank you for continuing to record during these strange times. You're welcome, MK. What is the best sub sandwich restaurant debate? So I saw some of the options. Like if you go in for healthy, I think it was one of the good healthy options that pot belly was like the Mediterranean sandwich. Cause that was one of the ones he suggested, but I'm a witch, witch guy. I like the customizability. I, I like everything, all the toppings, all the different things you can do. The fact that you can do it in advance, you can just write it down on the little sheets. You don't have to get up there and like panic and like look at all of the condiments and like, you know, your life flashes before your eyes. Cause you're not sure. Uh, you have a lot of time to prepare. You can have, you can do your homework going into witch, witch. That'll be my, my, uh, my pick there. Not a sponsor of the show, but can be. That was a detailed answer. Thank you for that. Does this have to be a local place? No, I don't think so. I'm going with Hoagie Haven in Princeton, New Jersey, by the way. You won't eat a better hoagie than that one. They call them hoagies there. How far is it away from the wound care center? <laughs> that's, that's, you pick one that's, up on the way. That's all the way the up in Newark. I mean, no. that's a long way away. So like five miles away? No. Um, I mean, the best sub I've had, one of the best subs that I've had in Phoenix is from DeFalco's. They're not really a sub shop, but they have sandwiches. So I would say that if you want to go more mainstream, Potbelly is good. I do like Witch Witch and partially just because it's right next to the arena. So it reminds me of hockey, but, uh, but Witch Witch is pretty solid. So that's, that's a good answer there by Jamie. Good job, Jamie. Hey. <laughs> uh, hold on. I thought we had one more. Uh, maybe we don't. All right, you guys talk for two seconds. Here, here's a, here's Jay. Jay's the last one. Since the Suns decide to price gouge, I might be in the market for a drive to Glendale 41 times next season. What should I expect from Kessel in year two? His age doesn't worry me yet, but his mileage does. I don't know what to expect from Phil Kessel in year two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I remember the theme of the offseason. It's not even the it's not even the mileage that bugs me. It's not the mileage that bothers me with Kessel. It's whether he's going to, quite frankly, be in shape to be able to withstand the grind of the season. I I think that Phil sort of got away with being Phil earlier in his career because he was producing. And let's face it, he was playing with world-class centers that were, were helping him produce. Can't do that here. And he's 32 years old. And as many people will tell you, the mileage catches up. Well, the, the time catches up with you. Really quickly, when you move the other side of 30, if you're not training the right way, it's it's a steep downhill slope. I hope somebody has the courage to have that conversation with him because he needs to change his ways. Yeah, and I guess the hope would also be that uh, if this season is over, that the extended, not only just end, uh, you know, abrupt end of the regular season, but him not being on a team that goes on a multi-round playoff run, 
maybe gets a little bit more rest and maybe is, uh, can use that time to better prepare for next season. And, you know, aside from me screaming about the abs being overrated, the other theme of the off season on this podcast was temper expectations for Phil Kessel. And I think I had pretty reasonable uh, and probably considered low expectations compared to everybody else. And he didn't even meet those uh, this season. So there, there's a lot of work to do because he's going to be a, with or without Taylor Hall on the roster, he's still going to be a, a hum, tremendous piece to whether or not the Coyotes are successful next season or not. Yeah, I'm trying to remember where you were at, Jamie, as far as a prediction, but I remember being right around 25 like 20, goals. I think it was I, somewhere around 20 goals and 65 points, I believe okay. is what I said on the show. Okay. See, I was thinking about 25 goals. And just to put it you know, in context, last year he had 27 goals and 82 points. The year before he had 34 goals and 92 points. And even the year before that, 23 and 70. So... I mean, he was coming off three amazing seasons. I mean, I guess the 70 point season is not amazing, but the 92 and the 82 certainly are. I didn't expect that, but I did expect 25 goals. I think he'll bounce back a little bit next year, but I do think there's something to the, the concerns about the mileage and age isn't always an issue. You know, it's, it's, there's not like some cutoff where age is an issue for everybody at the same age, but a guy like Phil Kessel, I could see it catching up with him. So I, I think he'll be. I think he'll be significantly better next year, but not what he was when he was in Pittsburgh. How's that? Is that fair? That's fair. All right. That's, uh, that's it. You guys have anything else you want to say here before we wrap up? Jamie always has something else to say. Uh, uh, there's actually, good. there's one thing I did, I, I did want to say because we got a question and Luke didn't answer it. Um, what? I don't see back, 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 back to the helpful tips that we had last week. Uh, somebody asked us about where they could purchase toilet paper. Um, there are still some, uh, very off brand that I never heard of available on Amazon, plus like the yes. industrial roll size ones that are available too. So if you are really hard up, um, there's some that can get you them, you know, by next week. Uh, mm-hmm. I looked today after I saw that question. So I double checked. You can get some by next week, uh, through the mail, no contact with anybody, but, uh, you're gonna, it's, you're gonna be paying at least a dollar a roll for them at this point, but you can still yeah. get Yeah. And it's a thinner product too. I should point that out. Yeah. But you know what? It's better than a coffee filter. That's which true. Is what a lot of people uh, are trying to do. Getting back to Ilya Brzgalov as a foreshadowing of a story that's coming. He suggests just jumping in the shower instead. Oh boy! All right, this is how we're going to end this show. Well, I mean, I mean, or just—I'm I'm sure he can afford a bidet. All right, that's it. He didn't mention a bidet. Um, just, just specifically used the word shower. Oh, we uh, we somehow went an hour on uh, on a show. I think we went over an hour when there's not even sports going on. That's, What's wrong with we're that? just physically incapable of not doing a 45 plus minute podcast? I think it just we can't. What's the uh, New Jersey and Minnesota are playing a simulated game right now? On NHL 20. As much as I miss, and I'm already bored. I don't think I'd watch New Jersey and Minnesota if this was a real game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. This is, this is how I'm not into the simulated games anyway. I'm, I don't I mind the simulated By the way, games. I just don't want to watch are, Minnesota. There, you can actually bet on some of these simulated games. Oh, some of these offshore books are literally offering like you can pay, bet money on some of these like Madden games and. It's, uh, it's that, that's how bad it's gotten. I, I it's, would be more into the simulated games if every team was on board and they were just playing out the season that way. Then I'd be like, okay, there's at least, there's no meaning to New Jersey, Minnesota, no matter how you do it, but there would at least be a little more meaning. Otherwise, these just kind of feel like simulated preseason games. But, um, all right. That's it, guys. It was good to uh, talk to both of you, even you, Jamie. Stay safe. We're going to do this again next week, right? We, we already promised MK we would, so we have to keep doing this. <laughs> All right. I'll try and get a better connection next time. I don't think it's possible out here, though. Well, try and use the same headphones next time, though, because that's really... You the, do like these, don't you? Yeah, yes, the driving force behind it. Depends. Them. If I see a photo, these are gone. 
Oh, well, I guess they're gone then. All right. That's going to do it for us. For Jamie Eisner, Craig Morgan, I'm Luke Lipinski. Thanks for listening to the Natural Hattrick Podcast. Stay safe, everyone.